Hey folks, you guys know I'm always diving into the dark corners of history, unearthing the stories that are sure to chill. Mastering the art of storytelling and research isn't just a passion, it's a craft. That's why I turned to Masterclass. Whether I'm analyzing historical documents or piecing together ghostly tales, Masterclass has been an invaluable resource in honing my skills. Masterclass lets you learn from over 200 of the world's best minds right at your fingertips. And the best part is it's all available for just $10 a month with an annual membership. I've been particularly captivated by the class on investigative journalism taught by Pulitzer Prize winner Bob Woodward. His insights into uncovering the truth may have transformed the way I approach each episode here. What's incredible is that 88% of members feel that Masterclass has made a positive impact on their lives. And trust me, I'm one of them. The depth of knowledge and practical tips I've gained have boosted my confidence and enriched the content that I bring to you every week. As a listener of Haunted American History, you get an exclusive 15% off an annual membership. Just visit masterclass.com haunted. That's masterclass.com haunted to save 15% on limitless learning. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So what are you going to lose? Don't wait. Join me and start transforming your passions into expertise by visiting masterclass.com haunted. I'll see you there. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Happy New Year, everyone. I hope everybody had a happy, healthy, and safe holiday season. It's been a while, hasn't it? I closed out last year, and I guess last season, I don't know how I do this, with a, a telling of A Christmas Carol. That was a lot of fun for me. I love to tell that story. But let's get back to business, huh? I'm going to keep this as brief as I can. I have spoken at length about my gratitude for all of you. You have all taken to this show better than I could have ever hoped. You allowed me to share my stories and narrate some of my favorites. But listening back, I fear I may have gotten away from what this show is. I started it to share some of my favorite American folklore and sprinkle in an original story of my own, but I feel as I got too obsessed with adding an original that I slacked on my research and my storytelling. There have been some stories that I rushed out and some folklore that I glossed over and I'm, you know, I'm sorry for that. This year, or season, or whatever I'm calling it, probably season, that just sounds fun. This season, I'm going to go back to basics. I'm going to be traveling around the United States and talking about some of the rich history and folklore that this young country has to offer. I will still be telling originals, but they won't be the focal point of the show anymore. They will be, you know, a bonus and worthy of your attention. Plus, I have some fully scripted multi-episode stories coming this year that I'm sure you all will enjoy. So, let's travel this country together the best way I know how. Alphabetically. Alabama, here we come. Today, we will be visiting Huntsville and see if the kiddies of the Dead Children's Playground that sit adjacent to Maple Hill Cemetery are as fun as they sound. 
Then we will be scooting to Birmingham and doing a site inspection at the Sloss Furnace. Something tells me that the folks around here don't care if their OSHA certificates are up to date. Do you believe in ghosts? Join me on a journey through America's dark and haunted past as we explore the ghost stories and folklore that have been passed down for generations. What scares you? Let's find out. I'm Christopher Feinstein, and this is Haunted American History. Located in Huntsville, Alabama, Maple Hill Cemetery was once the land of Leroy Pope, an American planter and early settler of Madison County. In 1822, two acres of the land were sold to the city of Huntsville to establish the city's first public cemetery. However, archaeological evidence suggests that the land was a cemetery since 1820, long before its official use by local authority. Maple Hill Cemetery is also the burial ground of 187 unknown Confederate soldiers and a number of Union soldiers who perished during the American Civil War from 1861 to 1865. Many of those graves remain unmarked and can be found in the cemetery's oldest section. Over the late 19th century and the early 20th century, the cemetery underwent several rounds of expansions to accommodate the increasing number of burials in Huntsville. In 1924, the cemetery commission purchased 59 acres of land from a Mr. James B. Stevens for $12,000, today's equivalent of $192,000, tripling the cemetery size and giving it its present shape. In 1987, a private cemetery named Maple Hill Cemeteries Incorporated opened its grounds alongside the historic public cemetery. The 7.7-acre large private cemetery holds approximately 10,000 instruments, approximately one-eighth the number of burials in the public Maple Hill Cemetery. At around 2012, Maple Hill Cemetery was added to Alabama's Historical Commission's Historic Cemetery Registry. Oh, that's a mouthful. And uh, the National Register of Historic Places, respectively, making it one of the most important landmarks in the city of Huntsville. Maple Hill Cemetery is home to over 80,000 gravesites. Several were notable members of the United States. This includes governors of Alabama and five United States senators. A number of luminaries were also entered into the Maple Hill Cemetery, including automobile magnate uh, Albert Russell Erskine, former president of Studebaker, which that's pretty cool. In 1918, Erskine purchased 12 acres of land from a nearby residential development and donated it to Maple Hill Cemetery. Faced with an insurmountable debt and having been ousted from uh, Studebaker, Erskine committed suicide on June 30th, 1933. Today, the grand mausoleum of Erskine family, containing the remains of his parents, his wife, and Erskine himself, can be found in the cemetery. Sitting next to Huntsville's historic Maple Hill Cemetery is a playground that looks like most playgrounds you've probably ever come across. Swing sets, seesaws, or teeter-totters, whatever you want to call them. Slides, you know, playground stuff. But this playground isn't like the others. People often say they can see the swings moving on their own when there isn't even the slightest of breezes as well as orbs and spectral figures. The playground is surrounded on three sides by the limestone that formed many caves in the area, giving it its shadowed appearance that lends itself to its spooky legends. And the proximity to the historic cemetery doesn't hurt either. Local teens call it the Dead Children's Playground, a pretty creepy title for a place that is still used by families. Oh, I'll be right back, honey. 
I'm just taking Junior here to the dead children's playground. No the hell you're not. How did this innocent place of childish merriment get its gruesome name? Well, according to legend, many children who died in Huntsville during the 1918 Spanish flu pandemic are buried in Maple Hill's plots adjoining the playground. The spirits of those children, some say they come out after dark to run and play, as they might have in life. It is true, many children, as well as adults, died during the worldwide pandemic, which killed an estimated 50 million people across the globe, and hit Huntsville particularly hard. Hospital beds were filled, and doctors worked long shifts to ease some of the patients' misery. Many patients were treated at home, with large quarantine signs placed on their front doors, a practice that spread the disease to entire families. Bodies were often stacked on wagons and hauled to morgues by horses. To try and prevent the spread of the disease, parents cautioned children to leave the windows closed. They came up with a sing-song rhyme, which they used as a reminder. I had a bird. Its name was Enza. I opened the window, and influenza. According to the Alabama Department of Public Health, the deadly flu arrived in Alabama by way of Huntsville on September 25, 1918. Within 10 days, it had spread to the general population. The Alabama DHP was quoted in an October 5th article from the Birmingham News. Reported cases of Spanish influenza have increased to more than 1,100 in Huntsville. According to Dr. C.A. Grote, health officer of Madison County, there have been an additional 300 cases and 7 deaths in the past 24 hours. On October 7th, the governor of Alabama ordered closure of public places statewide, including stores, schools, and churches. By October 13th, the Birmingham News reported that only one local pharmacist and one local doctor have remained uninfected. A desperate situation exists in Huntsville growing out of the Spanish influenza epidemic. All druggists, physicians, and prescription clerks, except one, have been stricken with the disease, and a distressing appeal reached Montgomery last night in telegrams for immediate help from the stricken city. Although there is no official count of the number of children who died in Huntsville during the pandemic, or how many were buried in Maple Hill, the number must have been in the hundreds. There are some that believe that the origin of the Dead Children's Playground traced back to a series of child abductions that gripped the Huntsville community in the 1950s, though in my research, I couldn't find much information about it. I did somehow find an article about an alien abduction, but I think that was it. The land where the playground stands today was once where dozens of child remains were unearthed. An autopsy of the bodies revealed signs of malnourishment and abuse, suggesting that the children were subjected to a prolonged period of cruelty before being murdered. To commemorate the death of their loved ones, the community donated funds to construct the playground at the same spot. That said, there have been no historical records to back this haunting claim either. Visitors of the park have reported seeing orbs darting around and hearing sounds of children's laughter in the empty playground. The swing sets are known to swing by themselves in the middle of the night. The ghostly activities are said to be most frequent between 10 p.m. and 3 a.m., which we all know is prime time for most kids want to play, so at least that checks out. Despite the haunting stories of the Dead Children's Playground, it continues to be a popular hangout for teenagers in the park. Can't imagine why. In 2007, as the number of available burial plots dwindled, the city of Huntsville attempted to remove sections of the city park as part of the Maple Hill Cemetery expansion project. 
However, residents of the community were only made known of the expansion plans when the playground equipment and surrounding picnic tables were removed. The lack of communication and disregard of the community led to a public outcry, bringing the expansion to an abrupt end. As demanded by the community, new playground equipment were set up on the same spot as the original playground. However, local ghost investigators believe it was a move to appease the children's spirits that linger here long after their tragic passing. The annual Maple Hill Cemetery Stroll is not exactly a ghost walk as no ghostly apparitions are involved. However, it is where history comes to life as over 75 notable characters from Huntsville walk along the paths of the cemetery, retelling the past of Huntsville's glitz and glamour. The event offers a glimpse into the history of Huntsville while giving visitors a look at some of the latest restoration projects in the cemetery. The event is free for all ages although donations are highly encouraged as they will be used to restore damaged sections of Maple Hill Cemetery. The event, which has been running for over a decade, is one of the largest living history strolls in America. If you happen to be in Huntsville and are looking for other ghostly spooky activities, opt for the Huntsville Ghost Walk, a ghost tour company run by a team of highly knowledgeable locals. They will take you on one of three guided tours. The Twickenham Ghost Walk, the Old Town Ghost Walk, and the haunted downtown ghost walk. And you'll learn about the history behind some of Huntsville's most haunted attractions. However, note that none of these tours visit Maple Hill Cemetery, where the infamous Dead Children's Playground is located. If you have visited the cemetery or any of these tours, email me. Let me know how it is, or if you saw something yourself. Eventually, I plan to make it out to all these places. So, maybe I'll see you there. I'm actually in talks with a few ghost tour companies around the United States as coming on to be a special guest tour guide. So if that's something you're interested in, having a tour with old Chrissy here, reach out to them, any of them, and being like, hey, is Chris from Haunted American History coming to give tours? Because if he is, sign me up. Hey, folks. You guys know I'm always diving into the dark corners of history, unearthing the stories that are sure to chill. Mastering the art of storytelling and research isn't just a passion, it's a craft. That's why I turned to Masterclass. Whether I'm analyzing historical documents or piecing together ghostly tales, Masterclass has been an invaluable resource in honing my skills. Masterclass lets you learn from over 200 of the world's best minds right at your fingertips. And the best part is it's all available for just $10 a month with an annual membership. I've been particularly captivated by the class on investigative journalism taught by Pulitzer Prize winner Bob Woodward. His insights into uncovering the truth may have transformed the way I approach each episode here. What's incredible is that 88% of members feel that Masterclass has made a positive impact on their lives. And trust me, I'm one of them. The depth of knowledge and practical tips I've gained have boosted my confidence and enriched the content that I bring to you every week. As a listener of Haunted American History, you get an exclusive 15% off an annual membership. Just visit masterclass.com slash haunted. That's masterclass.com slash haunted to save 15% on limitless learning. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So what are you going to lose? Don't wait. Join me and start transforming your passions into expertise by visiting masterclass.com slash haunted. I'll see you there. I'd like to take a second here to welcome my newest patron, Irene. Thank you so, so much for joining. Your support means the world to me. If you like what I'm doing, feel free, please, to leave a review. 
on whichever medium that you listen to the show on. It's the best way you can support the show. And if you'd like, join the Patreon, get ad-free episodes, shout-outs, and all kinds of other little perks. Actually, very soon I'm going to be starting doing giveaways to my patrons. With uh, I have such an overabundance of horror movie memorabilia, autographs and props and all kinds of pins and shirts and all kinds of stuff that just sit in boxes. And, you know, I just had a baby, so room's getting a little tight around the house. So what better to do than give it to my patrons? So that's going to start soon, maybe next month or the month after. I'm not sure. i got to figure, figure out the logistics of it. But anywho, thank you so much. And let's keep traveling. Birmingham, Alabama was founded on June 1st, 1871. Its name is borrowed from one of England's principal industrial cities, a choice the founders hoped would herald the town as a great center for America's industrial age. Birmingham had a characteristic that made it unique worldwide. They had nearby deposits of iron ore, coal, and limestone, the three principal raw materials used in making steel. This powerful combination of minerals quickly earned Birmingham the nickname, the Magic City. On the outskirts of the Magic City sits Sloss Furnace. James Withers Sloss started construction on the Sloss Furnace in 1881, just 10 years after the city's founding. This entrepreneur quickly capitalized on Birmingham's fortunate location and the enormous amount of cheap labor available in the form of freed slaves. To cement Sloss's place in the financial bonanza, he used his wealth and political influence to become the first president of the newly merged Nashville and Decatur Railway Company. His first priority was expanding their railway lines down to Birmingham, securing the steel exportation made at Sloss Furnace. Sloss opened the gates to his furnace company on April 18, 1882, employing hundreds of men from the surrounding area. The positions at Sloss were highly dangerous, but also highly sought after as working with the blast furnaces was fairly advanced at the time. No government agency protected workers' rights. 12-hour days were the norm, and pay often came in the form of scripts only good at the company store. While pay was low and hours ran high, it was industrial accidents what workers feared most. Some men fell into the molten steel and were basically incinerated, while others fell victim to the silent poisoning of carbon monoxide or the volatile burst from the steam pipes. Every inch of Sloss Furnace held danger for the workers who toiled there, from the catwalks to the tunnels, the furnace to the wheel. Every precarious step could have been and often was their last. Perhaps the most ghastly death befell a worker on his lunch break. Sitting near one of the large flywheels used to power the huge scalding boilers, he leaned a little too close and the wheel caught his clothing, slowly dragging him into the gears. Witnesses at the time shuddered. Each time the wheel went around, there was a little less of their friend. I don't know if shuddered is really the right word that should have been used there. I mean, there's a whole list of expletives that I would have used if I watched a buddy of mine just be eaten by giant metal teeth repeatedly shuddered in the early 1900s James Slag Wormwood was foreman of the graveyard shift the period between sunset and sunrise where a skeleton crew of nearly 150 workers toiled to keep the furnace fed during the stifling summer months temperatures throughout the plant would reach more than 120 degrees lack of sleep the heat and low visibility made working the furnace literally a living hell. 
and only the poorest of workers who were desperate for employment would work that shift. Story time. During my time working for the electric company in New York City, I was one of the crews that would do what we called the transit run every month. What the transit run was, was uh, since the subways ran underground, a lot of the electrical metering equipment was obviously kept underground as well. They were kept in these things called vaults, and if you're ever walking around the city, I'm not sure about other cities, obviously, I can only speak about New York, but if you notice just a random metal grating or a door in the middle of a sidewalk, that's probably a vault entrance. Fun fact, a lot of homeless people live in those. It's warm and it's out of the rain. I don't know if that's fun. I used to bring Chinese food to a guy that lived in one in Brooklyn when I would do my runs. Anyway, in the summer months, it would get insanely hot down there. All the electrical equipment, 30 to 40 feet underground, surrounded by concrete. The thermometers down there would read 130, 140 degrees easy. I would come up from there soaked completely through my clothes. It was awful. I don't know where I was going with this. I guess that, yeah, working in the heat sucks. I mean, I feel for these fellas at the furnace. Sorry, guys, these tangents happen. Uh, let's go on. These workers, they were most recently arrived immigrants. They were forced to live in cramped housing located on the furnace site and could be forced at any moment to return to work. Wormwood would make his workers take dangerous risks to impress his supervisors, forcing them to speed up production. During his reign, 47 workers lost their lives, 10 times more than any other shift in the furnace's history. Countless others lost their ability to work due to accidents, mishaps, and even a recorded explosion in a small blowing engine house in 1888 that left six workers burned blind. I don't know about you guys, but whoever's read Stephen King's It, this very much has Kitchener Ironworks vibes to it. I wonder if this is where the inspiration for that came from. Hmm. In the furnace, there was no breaks. There were no holidays. There was only the furnace and the constant hunger for more and more coal. In October of 1906, James Slag Wormwood lost his footing at the top of the highest blast furnace known as Big Alice and plummeted into a pool of molten iron ore. His body melted instantly. It was reported that Slag must have become dizzy from the methane gas created by the furnace and lost his balance. Oddly enough though, it was never a foreman's job to set foot on the top of the furnace and they said that Slag never did during his years of employment. Many people theorized that the workers had finally had enough of Slag's slave driving and fed him into the furnace, but no workers were ever brought to trial. Soon after, Sloss Industries discontinued the graveyard shift, citing numerous reports of accidents and strange incidences that decreased the steel production. The legend of Slag grew year after year after his disappearance. Workers complained of an unnatural presence they increasingly encountered throughout the worksite. A night watchman in 1926 sustained injuries after being pushed from behind and told angrily by a deep voice to get back to work. Upon searching the grounds, the man could find no sign of any other living person on the property. In 1947, three supervisors turned up missing, found unconscious and locked in a small boiler room in the southeastern part of the plant. None of the three could explain exactly what happened to them. They all agree that they were approached by a man whose skin appeared badly burned and angrily shouted at them to push some steel. Probably the most horrifying tale occurred in 1971, when the night before the plant closed, Samuel Blumenthal, 
the Sloss Night Watchman, who was nostalgically taking a last look around, found himself face to face with what he said, the most terrifying thing he has ever seen. He described it simply as evil, a half-man, half-demon, who tried to push him up the stairs. When Blumenthal refused, the monster began to beat on him with his fists. Upon examination by Dr. Jack Barlow, Blumenthal was found to be covered with intense burns. He died before ever returning to Sloss. There are more than 100 reports of suspected paranormal activity at Sloss Furnace, and they're all recorded in Birmingham police records. From minor incidents such as steam whistles apparently blowing by themselves, to major sightings, and to the rare physical assault. It is interesting to note that most of these reports happen in September and October, at night, during the old graveyard shift. Some merely dismiss the occurrences as Halloween hoaxes. Others believe it's the restless spirit of the sadistic foreman, Slag. In 1988, a study was conducted by the Center of Paranormal Events in St. Petersburg, Florida, Onslaught's Furnace. While no events out of the ordinary occurred during the study, which occurred in May, many of the team members, including two psychics, claim that due to the violent disregard for the loss of life, Sloss Furnace should be considered a location rife with restless souls. In the year 2000, Sloss was studied once again by the paranormal team of Fox's Scariest Places, who concluded that it was one of the highest rates of unnatural energy that they had ever encountered. In early 2002, a skeptical investigation team from CBS affiliate WJTV investigated the site. They left the site frazzled and convinced that Sloss was haunted, capturing amazing footage that can be seen on their website. In addition, another investigation was held in 2003 by the Alabama Foundation for Paranormal Research, who quoted that there is no doubt Sloss is a hotspot for paranormal activity. During our investigations, we pulled data that confirms through our scientific methods and approach that energies are present that cannot be explained. Sloss is one of the most paranormally active places our team has ever investigated. On October 4th of 2003, another assault happened to one of the crew members. Josh Thomas, who had worked at Sloss for many years, suddenly caught fire after seeing a strange shape. He suffered burns up and down his whole body and was taken to the hospital. He still cannot recall what happened. Strangely enough, this was almost the 32nd anniversary from when Samuel Blumenthal's burn attack, the Night Watchman from 1971. In 2005, two psychic investigators from the TV show Airline investigated Sloth's Furnace. In the middle of the taping, one of them began to spontaneously bleed from a cut that appeared in his right hand, halting the investigation but not before the camera crew caught images of spirits on their cameras. In 2009, the unexplained mystery investigation team investigated Sloss and were shocked to capture spiritual shadows on film. And in 2012, the team from Ghost Adventurers visited and were physically assaulted, again, caught on film. In 2004, Ghost Hunters visited Sloss and filmed absolutely phenomenal footage proving that there is definitive spiritual activity at Sloss and have since returned to capture even more evidence. The Sloss Furnace team continues to archive these sightings, both from the press and as well as individuals, on FrightFurnace.com. Unfortunately, at the time of this writing, the Sloss Furnace is no longer producing events. Sloss Furnace is a national historic landmark, and it's run by a board affiliated with the city of Birmingham, 
They were told by the board that the Fright Furnace in its current format is too disruptive to school tours and other operations. It was also pointed out to them that we do not consider the event well aligned with Sloss's mission or the image we wish to present. They were offered a small amount of days to do the event. It is obvious even to the casual observer that with the annual production budget of over $500,000, that fewer days to recoup that investment made the continuation of this event impossible. The event ran from 1997 to 2019. It ran like a haunted attraction, but in an actual haunted place, and brought more than 1 million horror fans to Birmingham City Center. They were able to present this Birmingham landmark to the nation in a creative and compelling way. Having the venue featured in at least 12 national cable and television broadcasts, USA Today, as well as other national print and online publications. They had a great run and thank everybody who came out to see them year after year. Well, this stinks. I was really open to go and check this place out, but, but let's, let's try and make some noise. Maybe we can convince the good people of the board to bring back this event. The world needs more haunts. I'm Christopher Feinstein, and this is Haunted American History. Again, a big thank you to all of my patrons. Thank you to the people who have taken their time to send me an email or leave a review. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, there's my dog. Later, folks.